Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Did anybody come in this morning and come to where you normally sit in your service and go, hey, you're in my seat today? A <laughs> few of you are not where you normally are. It's one of the perks of having two services, I guess, as we share chairs around here. Hey, we're glad you're here and want to wish you a happy new year. And uh, today, really what I hope to do is accomplish two things as we jump in this morning into our new year and where we're going with some things. First, I want to uh, help us talk about some of the things that are coming up in this new year, some of the vision kind of stuff that we're thinking about and praying about as an elder team and staff team, and just sharing some of those things with you. Second, I want to kind of tie our message in this morning to the things that we're going to be doing in J-Term. And so if you're new to our church, and I know we talked about it in the announcements a little earlier, but if you're kind of newer with us or don't know what the term J-Term is, uh, twice a year in January and in June, thus the J in J-Term, we have some times where we bring the church together on Wednesday nights and we just equip people and pour into people. We really try to focus on some different things to help us know as a church, what does it look like to walk with Jesus in some different ways? And so J-Term this year is going to be focused on being a global mission type of church and understanding about the things that God is doing all around the world. Uh, Because so many times we get focused in on just what's happening right around us that we forget that there are other things happening all over the place. And so J-Term is really going to be helping us to focus in on the things that God is doing all over the world. Uh, Now, I typically like to begin our time together in Scripture and really just dive into God's Word because Jesus should be and will always be at our church the center stage. That's what we want it to be about is it's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be about His Word. Uh, But this morning, if you'll permit me, I'm going to take a little bit of time at the beginning to talk about some of these elements, more of our vision kind of things for 2023. And then in the second half of the message, I'll come into scripture and tie everything back in together. So with that being said, again, let me just talk talk to you and encourage you about J-Term. I would love for you to all be back here Wednesday night, January 4th, this Wednesday. Uh, We will be here for J-Term, and we want you to be coming in to join us. The focus, again, like I said, is on global missions and the the work that God is doing around the world. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the idea that we are one body made up of many members. There are many parts to this body. And so our role may be a little bit different in Kingsport, Tennessee than it would be if we lived in Zambia, Africa, right? Or if we lived in uh, Honduras or something like that. And so we want to know what our part is to play and what we're supposed to be doing as the hands and feet of Jesus in this place as we're connected to the larger global body of Christ. Uh, Because every one of us has a part to play in evangelizing the nations. Some of us will be prayers, will pray. Some of us will be givers. You're going to give of your financial resources to support missions. Some of us will be people who equip others to do the works of service. And then some of us will be people who go, who God says, I'm going to send you. And you're going to be on either a short-term mission trip or God may call some of us out of this place to go and move our lives to another place where we're going to give our lives for the sake of the gospel in a new location. And so we don't know what our part is going to be that we're going to play in some of these things, but we want to be open-minded to what God is going to call us to do. So we want to invite you to come back on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings throughout this month. 
Hopefully you were given one of these booklets when you came in the room this morning. Bring this with you every time you come back for the month of January, Sundays and Wednesdays. Bring this book with you. It's got a lot of helpful information in here that will just guide us through. There's devotions for the full month. There's information about uh, prayer and fasting and how we're going to enter into a season of prayer and fasting as a church. Uh, in fact, beginning on January 5th, we will begin a session and a season of prayer and fasting, and you're invited to join us in that. Uh, now, everybody didn't clap when I said that, so I know that that's a weird thing for some of you. You're like, I don't know if I want to do the whole prayer and fasting thing, because I understand what that means. You're asking me to give up something, Pastor, and you want me to either not eat some meals or to do something that I'm going to give something up, and that's essentially what fasting is, right? When we typically think about that, we think of fasting from food, that we're going to give up something, whether that's for a full day or maybe one meal per day throughout a month, or, uh, or you're going to fast for a couple of days at a time or a week at a time. It may be, who knows what God may ask you to do, but it's an important part of what we see globally taking place. In the areas in the world where the church is growing, the church spends dedicated time in prayer and fasting. And so as a church, we want to be connected to what God is doing. We want to join him in that endeavor. We want to seek him because when we give up something, it's meant to create a space for us to fill with God. That's why when I give up food and I say, I'm not going to eat for this day, I'm going to fast and pray. Every time my stomach growls and I feel that pang of hunger that I go, I should fill my mouth. Instead, I'm going to go, no, I'm going to grab God's word. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to spend time listening for him. I'm going to fill my life with him. He calls himself the bread of life, right? So he fills us, he nourishes us, and we want to be people who put ourselves before him. So uh, for me, and I don't know what God will call you to do, but I know that some of you are excited about this as we enter into this time. I had a friend this week from our church that texted me and said, hey, are we going to start the prayer and fasting again this year like we did last year? I said, yeah, we are. That's coming up in January, so look forward to that. And he actually wrote me back and said this. This is the first time in my life I've actually anticipated a fast. I truly believe it's what allowed my marriage to be reconciled last year. And so there are incredible things that God does when he moves in our life as we create space for him in prayer and fasting. On the inside page of your book, you're going to see some things that will be helpful for you about tips on prayer and fasting, ways you can go about that, what that may look like. I'll tell you, for me, I will have times during this month that I'll give up meals and those kinds of things, but the thing that I've already decided to do and took the step yesterday to do is to remove everything from my phone that's social media related uh, or that causes me to spend time whenever I just sit down, I grab my phone and look at it instead of grabbing God's word or spending time in prayer or playing a game with my family. And so I've removed Twitter, Facebook, all of it. Anything that doesn't have to do with what a normal function of a phone is, <laughs> texting and calling people, maybe taking a picture occasionally, I'm taking it off of my phone for this month. And what I really want to do is create a space because I'm the kind of person who just has a very dependent personality. I can easily become addicted to things. And so for me, I just know that I need to detox. I need to detox my life from the things that whenever I sit down, I just immediately grab my phone and fill that space with whatever's on my phone and go, God, I want to make some room for you this month. And I want to detox myself from that in order to spend time 
with you. You may feel like you're going to fast from sugar or sweets or food or media consumption, uh, something, consumption, something that you crave that can be replaced with pursuing God in prayer and taking in his word and listening to his voice. All right. The other thing I want to let you know about is during J-term, what are we going to do with kids? We're so glad that the kids are in the service this morning. In fact, if you guys could give them a hand and just tell them thanks for being with us. We're glad that you all are here today. Our kids are going to be going on a journey as well during J-Term. They're going to be being invested in by Ashley and her team to talk about God's work in global missions. And so kids will have some incredible things that they're going to experience on Wednesday nights. Bring them with you when you come, all right? And then we just came through this season of Advent. The season of Advent is all about helping us anticipate the first coming of Jesus and looking back at what he's already done and then anticipate that he is a God who is coming again. This is just another area, prayer and fasting, and when we think about these things, it's just another way for us to anticipate what God is doing. So we invite you to join us in that, join us in J-Term, and be a part of what God's doing through those things, all right? He is going to reveal himself to us. We believe that, so we want to make space for him to do so. All right, then let me talk about some vision kind of things that are coming up and some things that we're doing. Here's one thing I'm really excited about for this year that many of you may not know about. A lot of you are newer to our church and have been at Grace Fellowship for just a, a few months or a few years, uh, but this is the 20th anniversary of Grace Fellowship Church, 2023 is the 20th anniversary of our church. Yeah, that's exciting. God has done incredible things over the last 20 years. And so when the church began, there were a brave group of people who were living in Kingsport, but driving to Johnson City almost weekly and attending Grace Fellowship in Johnson City, our sister church. And over time, some of those folks got together and went, wouldn't it be awesome if we just did what they're doing in Johnson City in Kingsport? They went to the leadership of the church and said, would you guys help us recreate on some sense what you're doing here and bring this in to the city of Kingsport? And the leadership of that church said, yes, we'll be happy to help you with that. And the church of Grace Fellowship Kingsport was born in 2003. It started in home group meetings. And eventually in 2004, that's when they really officially launched and began services. But 2003 is the year that they created this church and started the structure and got everything going. So in the fall of 2023, coming up in just a few months, we're going to begin our celebration of 20 years of what God's been doing at Grace Fellowship. 20 years of his faithfulness to us. 20 years of us trying to be obedient to him and follow after him and love him and love our community and to show our community the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be celebrating that and leading in that as we come into 2023 fall and then in the early part of 2024 uh, as we celebrate 20 years of ministry together. And here's what we believe as we think about all of this. We believe that the best is still yet to come. We believe that God still has incredible and amazing things and that all that he has done he will still do and do more through us. And so we want to be continually faithful to him, all right? Uh, then I want to let you know this. The elders of our church are praying and fasting periodically through the year. We decided this last month when we had our elder meeting that throughout the year, not just in January when we do this as a church, but throughout the year, we're going to have seasons of prayer and fasting that we participate in as elders, and we're seeking God for continued vision, continued mission and direction for our church. When we think about what God has done in the last 20 years, we want to ask the question of what does he want to do in the next 20 years? And so some of the things that we are as a church will stay absolutely the same. Our mission as a church is to go and make disciples. And that's not going to change. That comes straight from Jesus. 
He called us to do that, and that's what we're going to be about. We're going to be a church who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. We want everyone in our congregation to know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus who's on mission with Jesus and being changed by Jesus. And so that's going to continually be the case. One of the things that we are looking at and potentially changing is our vision. What does it look like for us to have some new vision and direction? For the last nine years or so, the vision of our church has been to reach the unreached uh, by releasing people who love Jesus passionately and others irresistibly. That we want to have people in our church who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength released out into the city of Kingsport to reach the unchurched and to show them God's love and God's grace, right? Uh, if you study organizations and business models and those kinds of things, and I understand that the church is not exactly an organization or a business model, uh, but when you look at some of these things, what you will find is that every so often, vision needs to change in order to keep things moving forward and progressing. And so we don't want to get stuck in something that we've said, well, that's been working for the last nine or 10 years. Let's just keep it the same. We want to be asking God, what's your vision for the future? What do you want us to be going? What are we supposed to be focused in on and doing? So our elders are going to be undertaking that and praying and fasting throughout this year that by 2024, with the original launch of this church with public worship services, we'll be ready to talk about what does new vision look like? for our church. So be praying with us in that. We would appreciate it so much. Then I want to catch you up on something that we began talking about in the fall of 2022, just so you know where we are on some things. When we talk about vision, we want to talk about not just things that we hope and plan, but implementation. What are we doing to make these things come about? And so in the fall of this past year, we started talking about deacon ministry here at Grace Fellowship Church. Uh, we are a church that is led by elders and then staff, and we have teams that function, our men's ministry, women's ministry, hospitality team, connection team, security teams, youth teams, children's teams. We have lots of teams that function. But one of the elements that we have never had as a church are deacons. And that's a biblical office that we've not just neglected that on purpose, like we were saying, well, we don't think that that's right or good. We just never have implemented it as a strategy for our church. But as our church continues to grow and God continues to bring more people here, one of the things that we've said is we want to have a deacon ministry to help us meet needs. Because that's what deacons do. Deacons are people who are servants in the church, who see needs in the church, and go and help fill gaps and meet needs. And so we told you that by the end of the year, we were planning on having that ready to launch. Uh, and we are today telling you that our first three deacon ministries, we are ready to kick off. And in January, we'll be releasing people out to work in those roles. And so I want to just tell you a couple of people who are already on board, and then we'll talk about uh, there are still other people who will be joining in. But we will have a deacon ministry for member care. Here's one of the things that we know about our church. About 60% of the people in our church are in life groups. And when something happens in your life, you're cared for and taken care of by your life group and in your life group. You have a death in the family. You have a new child that's born. You have a sickness. The life group steps up and serves you and loves you and takes care of you. But that means that about 40% of the people in our church are not connected to a life group. And what happens when something takes place in their life for good or for bad? Who ministers to them? Who loves them? Who serves them? And so one of the ways that we're going to be implementing a deacon ministry is through member care. And we're going to have deacons who are specifically engaged in ministering to the needs of people who are not in life groups but encouraging them through their ministry 
to find a way into some life groups where there can be continual care for them taking place. And so right now, Ruth Jordan has already stepped up and is going to be serving in that role. Uh, We're also going to be adding other deacons to that position. Uh, We have some people that we're talking to right now about that. And, uh, and we will have several people who will be taking care of that role. Then we'll also have a worship and AV team. Steve Straysner will be our deacon for our worship and AV team. Uh, he's just learning that right now. You never heard that before. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Steve is, is awesome about what he does with us. And absolutely, in the absence of a worship pastor, which we're still working to hire someone in that role, having a deacon who can step in and serve the needs of that team and love them well and just minister to them and fill gaps and meet needs, that's going to be an important thing for us. And so Steve Straysner is going to step into that role. For our connections team, on our connections team, if you don't know this, about 70 to 80 people in our church serving connections in some way, handing out bulletins, opening doors, serving coffee. Lots of different people on a rotating basis serve on that team. For several years, Andy Malcolm, who's our small groups pastor here at the church, has been over that team. But that's a lot of people for one person to minister to all the time and to build scheduling and do all those kinds of things. So we're putting two people in place that will be deacons for our connection team and we'll love them and serve them and help minister to them and help meet needs and encourage them and equip them for the works that they're doing. And so those two guys are going to be Mark Riesbeck and Paul Valinga. And I'm so excited about them stepping into those roles. Uh, Then in the next year, in this year, uh, as we enter into 2023, there'll be a few more teams that we implement for deacons in ways that we see some needs that they can step up and just help us build. So wanted to make sure that you're updated on those things. I'm excited about what God's doing in that. And especially as there's growth taking place in our church, we just see the need for continually looking at our organizational structure and figuring out how do we best meet the needs of people at Grace Fellowship Church. So it's an exciting time. With the growth that we're experiencing, here's where we see some really incredible things. Our children's ministries and youth ministries are exploding right now. If you were to go back into our preschool area and children's ministry area, especially in second service, preschool area, anytime, it doesn't matter when you go back there, it is just full. There are kids everywhere. We have a lot of young families who are coming to our church, and there are children and preschoolers all over the place. And so we've identified a need to make some more space for preschool and children. And the way that we've decided to accomplish that as we come into the next several months and we're going to be working through plans and structures and how uh, is we feel like the best way for us to do that is to take our current office spaces because we don't have an enormous building. We don't have a lot of spaces in our building for small groups and those kinds of things. We're planning on taking our current office spaces on this side of the building, the four rooms over there and converting them into preschool space. The current preschool space that's behind you right now, we're going to be building out elementary school classes for that and making room for our elementary school kids to have individual classes and spaces for them. In our current den where our elementary school currently meets, we're desiring to renovate that and change that into a more common space for our youth and our older, uh, older children. So that when they come in there, if you were to go back there right now, it very much looks like a place for kids. But our youth group uses that space on Wednesday nights too. And if you've ever been a teenager that walked into a kid's space and went, this doesn't feel like it's for me. Uh, We want to create a space that youth feel like, man, this is for us too. And we have a place here. So we're going to be building out those things and hopefully pursuing those things in the next few months. Here's what we don't know when we talk about that. If we take our current offices for our staff, and renovate them into spaces for children, 
we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing with office space for our staff. If that means that we're going to have temporary trailers on the property somewhere, do we need to build out on our building somewhere? Do we need to work from home from a little while? We're going to be answering a lot of questions in order to make those things happen. It very well may be that over the next year or two years or three years, we have to start looking at even the spaces of this building and say, is this a long-term viable option for us? Or does God have some different things for us? Is this where we're supposed to be? Should we be a church that continues to grow? Should we be a church that launches people out and starts new works and creates more space by sending people off to start something new? There are a lot of unanswered questions that we don't know right now. But that's another huge reason why our elders are going to be praying and fasting through this year. And that we're going to be seeking God's direction because we want to do the absolute very best things that God is calling us to do and be about as a church. So that's again why I'm asking you to join us in praying for those things. All right? So the final thing that I want to share with you about the year ahead is something that I feel like God was challenging me with a little bit over the Christmas break. Uh, I haven't even had a chance to share this with our elders and staff yet, so some of our people may start throwing things at me. I don't know. Um, but when we were off on Christmas, I was just praying and saying, God, just show us some things that we need to be about. And as we jump into J-Term and we talk about this global perspective that we want to be a church who reaches the nations with the gospel, that we want to have a hand in that, that we want to play a role in that, but we also know that the gospel begins and our world begins right outside of our doors. And when we go outside of this space that we are on the mission field, that we are carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want us to not only be individually sent out into Kingsport, but in this coming year to find ways to more collectively be sent out into Kingsport. And one of the desires that I have for this coming year is that we would be people who as a church are in our community serving in ways like we've never done before. That we would be giving of ourselves for the benefit of our city. That there would be no doubt when people talk about Grace Fellowship Church that the first thing that comes out of their mouths is, that's a church that loves their city. And so that's part of my hope for this year is how do we lead ourselves corporately to get out of this building and into our community. And we do that some, but I want to take it up another notch. And I want us to be a church that says we love our city and we're going to prove it. We're not just going to say it, we're going to show it. So that's some of the direction that I feel like God's leading us. And I hope that we'll collectively jump into that. And that leads us in to our text today. So thank you for allowing me to take some time to dive through those things. But let's jump in to God's word and we'll see how these things that we're talking about start to play into what we're going to be focused on and looking into during the month of January in J-Term. So if you have a Bible, turn to Titus chapter 1. If you know where Timothy is, you can find Titus right after that. And when we look at Titus, here's some cool things, and there's so much that's here. I wish I could go through a full study of this book, but we don't have time to do that this morning. But what I want us to see as we jump into Titus is that there are some amazing things that are taking place here. After Pentecost, when the gospel begins to spread all over the world, the gospel finds its way to this island nation called Crete, or this island called Crete. And as the gospel comes to this nation, people in this island, people start coming to faith in Christ and churches start to pop up and spread. The problem was that the pagan culture of Crete seeped its way into the church. Can you imagine that? The people in the church who found Jesus 
started bringing their old ways of life before Jesus into the church. And they started going, hey, the things that we did while we were uh, pagans and outside of God and lost in our sin, we're going to do those same things now. There's not life change that's taking place. We're just reorganizing from outside of the church to inside of the church. And so that was a big part that was going on. There was false teaching and beliefs. There was an acceptance of sinfulness that mirrored the culture. There was a false view of Jesus. The church was a mess. And as a result, Paul sends Titus, one of his disciples, and he says, I'm going to send you to Crete, and I want you to go in there, and I want you to bring about changes to the church on Crete that will revolutionize their understanding of who Jesus is and what the gospel is really about. And so that's what the book of Titus is about. And as we see this, Paul's really trying to make some changes through Titus. So let me read the text for us and then introduce four things that we see in this text that are true of every place in the world that the church moves into. And what we're going to find during J-Term is we're going to look at these four things on the four Wednesday nights of J-Term. And we're going to talk about them individually as we walk through this month. So let me read this to us, starting in Titus chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Verse 10 says, For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure... All things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Now, the first thing that we see happening here, and I want us to, again, point out these four things that we see. Everywhere in the world where the church springs up, we're going to find these four things. And the first thing is this, that when the church is planted, the church multiplies. This takes place all over the world. And so when Paul writes and tells Titus to appoint elders, he says, do this in every town. 
In other words, it didn't just hit one place in Crete and stop there. The church was planted. Believers became followers of Christ or or non-Christians became followers of Christ. And then they planted other churches and they multiplied churches. In every town, he says, there needs to be leadership. And so the church is growing. Here's what's crazy about that. This wasn't even a healthy church. And it was still growing and multiplying. And so Paul's going, if we really want not just churches happening, but healthy churches happening, we need new people to step in and lead in a godly way. And so my friend Jim Putman always reminds me, you can't remove the message and the methods of Jesus and get the results of Jesus. If you want the results of Jesus, his message and his methods have to be applied. And so the church is multiplying. And that's where Paul gets to the second thing that he tells Titus. He says, I want you to equip leaders. The church equips leaders. It's a multiplying church and it needs leadership. So he says, I want you to appoint elders in every church. Elder leadership and the plurality of elder leadership is important in the local church. These are guys who fight for true doctrine. They're men who show God's way, who live out faith, who help make sure that the church stays on the right track. These are guys who are going to say, I'm going to give up my life like Christ did for his church to lead this local church body to be followers of Jesus. And so Titus is told, you need to equip the people. The qualifications for an elder were modeled after the selfishness or the selflessness of Jesus. When Paul talks about this, he says, I want you to see what these Cretans are like. He goes, these guys are, are terrible people. He says, in fact, your own poet, this isn't something that Paul's going, let's just talk badly about the, the Cretans. He goes, your own poets say this about you. They're always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And so he says, Timothy, so, or Titus, so when you appoint elders that lead the church, they need to be men who are hospitable and who lead their families well, and who love God, and who are faithful. Not like the Cretans. They need to be men who are counter-cultural. And in the things that they do in the church, they show people how to live out their faith in the gospel. So then there's the third thing that comes about in any church as it's planted. The third thing is that the church faces opposition and persecution. Right, so a church is planted, leaders are equipped and given to it to lead it, but then there's always going to be opposition and persecution. For Titus, a lot of the opposition came from within the church. We see that in verses 10 through 14. He goes, there are people within the circumcision group, that's the Jewish people who are coming in, and they're trying to make people follow the Jewish customs and Jewish laws and be circumcised and do all the Jewish things. And Paul's going, nope, that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is a gospel of freedom. And so he says, you're coming in, they're, they're leading households with false teaching, they're pursuing monetary gain, they're not doing anything that looks like what true biblical church looks like. And there's always going to be a need to keep an eye out for false teachers within the church. But what we're going to see this month, as we journey into this J-term, is that not always does the opposition and persecution come from within the church, but in many places in the world, in fact, in most places in the world, it comes from outside of the church. And that people are literally daily losing their life because they follow Jesus. And people all around them don't want that to take place. And so we're going to see and talk to people. We're going to have guests who come in this month who talk to us about their experiences on the mission field, in churches where persecution is taking place. And you're going to get to hear firsthand accounts of people who will be following that journey. Then we have to figure out what's our role 
as Americans? What's our part to join those churches who are suffering in other places in the world, who are facing extreme persecution? What's our part in helping them to be healthy and to know that they're loved and cared for? And then that brings us to the last common denominator is the church crows that we see. The gospel goes to the unreached. This is going to be true anywhere the church springs up, is that the gospel goes to the unreached. That's what we're about as a church. Again, I told you a little while ago, our vision at this point in the life of our church is to reach the unreached, to go out into the community, to go out into the world and bring the gospel of Jesus' hope to them. And so the point then we have to ask is, what's the point of life change? What's the point of being changed by Jesus? What are we supposed to do once we follow him? And there's a lot of ways that we can answer that question. What are we supposed to do once we follow Jesus? When he starts changing our lives over time, what are we supposed to do with that? And so here's what I would say. The church should be an agent of transformation, not through cultural wars or assimilation, but through wise, godly participation in culture, doing things that are countercultural in the love of Jesus that we want to be a church who's saying we want to go into the culture, we want to go into the world, and we want to take the hope and the message of Jesus. And as countercultural as we can possibly live, we want to bring hope and love to people. And we want to express God's grace to them. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, who are eager to do what is good. Right? So the grace of God is shown to us. And that grace that we receive from him allows us to then go out and show people what's good. That we live counterculture, that we're selfless, not selfish. That we're people who are being transformed. That we say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. That we're self-controlled. That we're upright in the way that we live. That when the rest of the world is chasing their own dreams and passions and desires, no matter what, we're saying there are things that for us as followers of Jesus, we just say no to. And it's so countercultural that we just simply live differently based on the word of God and his truth. And so for us this morning as we close, when we think about J-Term this week, beginning and throughout this month, J-Term is going to help us be aware of the global church and our role in participating in God's church throughout the world. So those are the two things we hope to accomplish, awareness and participation. What's happening in our world? What do we see? What do we not know right now that we need to know? And then God, what's my role in participating in your work all over the world? What are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to be about? Where do we serve? How do we give? What is our next role? So if you want some helpful resources going into J-Term, Again, pick up a copy of this book on your way out. Make sure you grab a copy of that if you don't already have one. There is also a book that we give out to our church called Revival Starts Here. They're in the gathering area. You can grab a copy of that. Again, it talks about prayer and fasting and how revival begins when we put ourselves before Jesus. Uh, there are also incredible resources on our app and on our website that you can check out that will help guide you through J-Term. All right? So my encouragement to us as we begin this year is seek after God in his heart. Become aware of what God's doing all over the world. 
and then find your place to participate in it. We're going to hear some incredible things this next month, and I want you to be a part of that. Here's the last thing that I'll say about what we're going to hear. Come and be with us. We do not have the capability during these sessions to live stream or broadcast what we're going to be talking about. A lot of the people who are going to be here with us will leave from here and go back out into difficult and dangerous places in the world. And putting them out on media platforms could potentially be dangerous for them. So it won't be broadcast. If you ask, hey, can we stay home and do this on Wednesday nights? No, you can't. I'm really sorry. Can we miss Sundays and still get the content? On Sundays, yes. We'll still be live streaming our services. But on Wednesdays, you need to be here with us. You won't regret it. Come take the time to join us. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.